All right. Hello, Christ community. Welcome to all of you, whether you're at our 15th Street campus or our West campus or our Traditions venue. I am so glad you're here today. I, uh, we're, we're, I mean, I love our church and I love what God is doing here. We're a church that believes that God touches our lives, that he's alive and he moves in people's lives and, uh, and, he, and he steps into the messes that we make and the challenges we face and he brings life. And so I'm just glad you're here wherever you're at spiritually, maybe you feel light years from God or wherever you're at emotionally or whatever. We're just glad you're here because we believe God wants to speak to you and he wants to touch you and me and, and pour life into us. <clears throat> and that, that certainly includes the area of relationships. We are in a four-week teaching series where we're talking about relationships, how we can improve our relationships, whether it's our, our marriage or our, our, our family or our friendships or our relationships with coworkers or, or whatever. How can we enjoy healthier relationships? Now, our tendency when we answer that question, when we try to answer that question, our tendency is to focus on what everyone else around us should be doing to improve our relationships, right? If only they would make more of an effort, if only they would listen better, if only they would be less self-absorbed or they would be more kind, then our relationships would be great. I mean, right? But it doesn't work that way. Focusing on what everyone else should be doing is sort of a waste of time, okay? However, there are specific things that we can do, that we can do to breathe new life into our relationships. And the flip side of that is also true. If we neglect these things that we're talking about here, it can cause significant damage. Uh, I think of Flint, Michigan, right? We, 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 we've all heard about Flint, Michigan in the news. Flint is a town in Michigan that is 70 miles. It's just 70 miles from the shores of the largest group of freshwater sources in the world, the Great Lakes. And yet two years ago, state officials decided to save money by switching Flint's water source from the freshwaters of Lake Huron to the Flint River, which flows near town. And the river, the river, the water in the river is brown because it has high levels of, 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 of iron. <clears throat> now, for a long time, all the officials, state officials were claiming that the water was absolutely fine. But, fi but, but, but at one point, finally, a, pe a pediatrician in town began to notice that a lot of her patients were having these rashes on their faces and they were having hair loss. And she did some blood tests and she realized these kids had twice the amount of iron in their bodies that they should have. So she sounded the alarm and suddenly local state, even, you know, President Obama was there the last week. I think national officials, everyone began to pay attention and started to take action to solve this problem. I mean, after all, no one wanted to drink water that would be filling their bodies with poison. I mean, right? Who would want to do that? That's a no-brainer. But, but here's the deal. In our relational world, in the context of our everyday relationships, so often, we, we often choose to drink a relational poison. We choose to swallow something that is guaranteed, it is guaranteed to damage our own hearts, our own bodies physically, as well as our relationships. So, so what am I talking about? What is this relational poison? Unforgiveness, bitterness. I would say that of all the things that can damage our relationships, this is the most devastating and destructive of all. It's when we choose to hang on to a hurt, 
to nurse a grudge, to hold on to an offense, to, 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 to stay angry with those who have hurt us. It feels so good. It feels so right to do this. After all, this person hurt us. We can't just let them off the hook, right? I mean, that would be like saying this doesn't matter. And so, so we said so that it doesn't matter that they hurt us. So we hang on to the hurt. And every time we do that, it's like drinking water from Flint, Michigan. That initial sip won't kill you. And in fact, you'll hardly notice anything is wrong. But over time, over time, the more we hold on to bitterness, the more it will damage us and our relational world. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. <clears throat> See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Notice what bitterness, what unforgiveness does. It grows, it says here. It grows. And as it grows, guess what it causes? It causes trouble. And in other words, it causes pain. It causes difficulties in our lives. I mean, there have been plenty of scientific studies. I just heard about one just a few minutes ago, brain research, all these plenty of scientific studies that are revealing, that have revealed and are revealing how bitterness and unforgiveness can cause all sorts of physical problems in terms of, of high blood pressure, digestive problems headaches, insomnia, heart disease. Um, uh, this, uh, unforgiveness or bitterness has been linked to increased anxiety and depression. Unforgiveness shrinks our hearts. It robs us of joy. It causes trouble. <clears throat> but more than that, the writer of Hebrew also says not only that it causes trouble, it also defiles many. See, here's the deal. We think that our unforgiveness is only about us. That if we hang on to our hurt, it's really only our issue. But what this verse declares is that our unforgiveness defiles the people around us. It defiles many others. In other words, unforgiveness bleeds into our relational world. I mean, have you ever been in a, in a work environment or on a sports team or in a church small group where someone in that environment is bitter towards the boss? or towards the coach, or towards a pastor, or on, on staff, right? And you can just, you can, you can feel it. You can see and feel how their negativity spreads into the group, into others, infects the entire team, or, or a small group, or whatever. Bitterness defiles relational environments. It defiles families. It defiles families. See, when we don't forgive our parents, or we don't forgive our in-laws, or we don't forgive our ex-husband, or our ex-wife, or our siblings, that bitterness will negatively impact our children. You know, they're not, they're not uh, oblivious to the fact that, that we don't visit Uncle Mike anymore. And they, they sit there and wonder, why doesn't dad talk to gram grandpa anymore? What's up with that? See, bitterness in our own hearts will negatively impact the relationships all around us. You may think that you can keep your bitterness locked away in a secret closet in your heart, but it doesn't stay in that closet very well. In fact, it doesn't stay there at all. It will bleed over into every facet of our lives. Our emotions, our peace, our level of joy, our experience of God's love, how we treat other people, all of those things. Okay, now here's the good news. We don't have to drink Flint, Michigan water. 
in our relationships. We can choose a different freshwater source. We can choose a different path. And this path, instead of pouring trouble and defilement into our relationships, it actually pours life. This path is described for us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Why don't you read this verse out loud with me? Here we go. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is God's word. <clears throat> okay, so the, so the different pathway that Paul is describing to us here is the pathway of forgiveness. Choosing to forgive this person who hurt us, this person with whom we have a grievance. And so let's unpack this idea of forgiveness because it is a, it's a critically important concept and yet there's a lot of misunderstanding, I think, about what forgiveness is and, and how do we do it. <clears throat> so, so what is forgiveness? Let's just kind of start off with that question. What is forgiveness? <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the best definition of forgiveness comes from a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18. So he was answering, Jesus was answering this question of how many times, uh, or uh, how many, how, about forgiveness, it was, it was related to forgiveness, how many times I forgive, it was, it was this question about forgiveness. And in response to this question, <clears throat> Jesus tells this story about a king who decided one day, <clears throat> he decided to settle his accounts. And so he called in a man who owed him 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold, depending on the, the, tra the, the translation you're using. The, the, the deal is, it was a ton of money. Scholars today estimate that 10,000 talents in today's currency would be somewhere around a billion dollars. A billion dollars. Huge, huge amount. <clears throat> So the king said, hey, we need to settle up. You owe me this. You borrow the, you know, you, you owe me this. But, but the man couldn't pay the debt. He couldn't pay him. And so the king, as was the king's right, the king ordered that the man and his children and everyone be, be sold and all his possessions be sold so that he could repay the debt. He had every right to do that. The, the man owed him that amount. So when, when the man heard this, he fell to his knees and he pleaded with the king for more time. He pleaded with the king to give him more time to pay off this debt. <clears throat> if, if he could just have some, some more time, then he could pay it off. Well, at this point, the king did the unthinkable. He didn't, didn't just give him four more weeks or six more weeks, just a little bit of more time. He, did, he didn't just do that. The, the king um, did way more than that. Verse 27, here's what happened. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. The king actually canceled the debt. <clears throat> the man no longer owed him anything. See, this is the definition of forgiveness. To forgive is to, is to choose to cancel a debt. Now, let me explain how this applies to our relationships. When, when someone sins against us or they hurt us, the reality is they owe us something. They owe us something. They took something from us. If your dad left you when you were young, he took part of your childhood. You deserved a dad to be there for you, and he wasn't. Or a boss who fires you for a false accusation, that, that boss has taken something from you, your reputation, your income. See, when anyone sins against us or hurts us, they owe us. They are indebted to us. They may not realize it. 
They may not want to do anything about it. That doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is they owe us. They are in debt to us. Now, here's the critical question. What do we do with that debt? What do we do with this debt that they owe us? We have a choice. We have a choice. We can hang on. One one option is we can hang on to that debt holding it over them, right? Holding it against them in our hearts, kind of demanding or wanting payment for it. Or we can choose to cancel the debt. We can choose in our hearts to release this person from this debt so they no longer owe us anything. That's forgiveness. To forgive someone is to choose to cancel their debt. It is to choose to let go of my right to retaliate, my right to hold on to this offense, to hold it over their head. It is to choose in our hearts, it's to choose to say, you don't owe me anything anymore. You don't owe me anything. I'm no longer going to hold this against you and demand some payment. I am choosing to cancel this debt. That's forgiveness. It is It is a radical and totally counterintuitive concept. I mean, after all, think about this. And some of us are even wrestling as we're hearing this. I mean, they owe us. They owe us. This person took something from us. They took our childhood. They took our reputation. They took our sense of security. They took our innocence. They took whatever you fill in the blank. They, 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 they owe us. And everything within us wants to hang on to that and demand payment. But God commands us to forgive whatever, whatever grievance we have against them. We're supposed to forgive that. Now, the word that Paul uses here in Colossians 3, um, it's, it's really interesting. He could have chosen two words. Um, the word he chose for forgiveness is, is the, the Greek word charizomai. And the, and, and the first part of that is the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis, which means grace. Grace. See, grace, we all, we all know, grace is a gift that's undeserved. Right? You work for a, a paycheck, right? That's not grace, something you work for. Grace is, is, is undeserved. It's a gift that's undeserved. And the word Paul chooses to, to use here to speak of, uh, to talk about forgiveness, it speaks of forgiveness as a grace gift. It's a gift of grace. It's a decision to extend grace, to give grace as a gift. It's not deserved. I mean, heck no, it's not deserved. This person hurt us. And in some cases, and I don't want to minimize anyone's hurt here. In some cases, the wrongs done to us are horrible, sometimes even criminal. We're not saying that what they did was okay. We're not saying that. But we can still make a choice to release the power of that act's hold over us through forgiveness. We can choose to give this person the gift of our forgiveness. Now, you, you know, you messed up my reputation. Here's some forgiveness. <clears throat> you robbed me of my innocence. Here's some forgiveness. You stole my sense of security, my sense of dignity, whatever. Here, here's some forgiveness for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. A year ago, Charleston, South Carolina, 21-year-old, Walked into a church prayer meeting, 
pretended that he actually wanted to pray with this small group of people. And then once they welcomed him in and began praying with him, he pulled out a gun and he, he just opened fire, killing nine of them, including the pastor. Horrible act of racially motivated hatred. A few days later, <clears throat> excuse me, in the courtroom, the relatives of, of those, many of those who had been killed, the relatives had the opportunity to speak to this 21-year-old, this gunman. And one by one, while, while he remained just impassive in the courtroom, they offered him forgiveness. Even as they described the pain of their loss, the daughter of one woman that was slain, she said to the gunman, I forgive you. You took something very precious from me, and I, I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again, but I forgive you. That's amazing, right? <clears throat> that story is amazing. And let's just be honest, it's, it's probably troubling. It's to some of us here. I mean, it's just a bit troubling when we hear a story like that. You know, or, or when we face our own issues of anger and hatred and bitterness toward someone who hurt us in a significant way, our instinctive response is, that makes no sense. I mean, come on, that makes no sense. Why should I forgive this person? <laughs> they hurt me, they took from me, they owe me. And all of that is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. So why should we forgive? It's not ultimately for them. It's for us. It's for us. It's ultimately for our sake. As we have already mentioned, unforgiveness damages us physically. I mean, in terms of increased risk for heart disease, digestive problems, it damages us emotionally. Studies have shown how often anxiety and depression are linked to unforgiveness. It damages us relationally, right? We've already talked about it. It shrinks our hearts and, and it damages our, <clears throat> impacts our relationships and our capacity to love and experience joy and all of these things. So again, we, again, hear me, hear me. We are perfectly justified in holding on to this offense because they owe us. We are perfectly justified in doing that. The problem is when we hold on to it, we're not achieving the results we think we are. We, we think we're getting back at this person by holding on to this, by refusing to cancel the debt. We think we're getting back at them. You know, I'll show them, right? You know, but here's the reality. By choosing not to forgive, we are letting them hurt us again and again and again and again and again. See, they've moved on. They're not even thinking about this anymore. We're the ones who are holding on to. We're the ones who are letting this offense continue to hurt us over and over again. We're thinking about it all the time, right? <laughs> we're replaying what they did. We're telling other people about what they did. And now we're justified. It may feel so good to do that. But all it does is keep poisoning our soul. We just keep drinking the water from Flint, Michigan. That's what we're doing. Someone wisely said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. That's it. I mean, unforgiveness is, it's like us drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. <laughs> That's what we're doing. 
That's the lie of bitterness. Because again, folks, we, we know this. It feels good to hold on to that hurt. I mean, we, we know that. It feels good to give this person a cold shoulder and ignore them when we see them. It feels good to unfriend them on Facebook and hope they find out, right? It, it feels good to talk negatively about them to other people. Right? These things feel so good. They feel so right. But in reality, our bitterness is destroying us. It's destroying us. It's turning us into an angry, critical, negative person. It's stealing our joy. It's damaging our other relationships. It's impacting us physically. It's bleeding into our family. It just, it family, it's just, it, it, unforgiveness destroys us. It destroys us. Here's another one of, of my favorite quotes about forgiveness. I don't remember who said it. But, but I, I've remembered, remembered it for years. Here, here it is. To, to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that the real prisoner was you. You were the one in bondage to this offense. So why do we forgive? It's not for the sake of the other person. We forgive for the sake of our own heart, for the sake of our own well-being, which, and the sake of our relationships, right? Which is why God commands us to forgive. He knows the damage unforgiveness causes. And he knows the life that is poured out into our relational world when the gift of forgiveness is extended. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we forgive? How, how do we make this choice to forgive when everything within us wants to hold on to that hurt, to that debt? Well, here, here's the answer that Paul gives. And it's in this passage. Forgive, there's the command, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, there's the how. There's the how. It's not about mustering up our courage. You know, it's not about mustering up our willpower to do this or whatever. No, no, no. It's about, here's about one thing. It's about realizing that we have been on the receiving end of this forgiveness thing in a very, very, very big way. <laughs> We've been on the receiving end of this in a very big way. Andy, as Andy Stanley says, he says, forgiveness doesn't make any sense unless you are a forgiven person. Forgiveness doesn't make any sense unless you're a forgiven person. It is through our understanding of what Jesus has done for us on the cross that we can forgive others. I mean, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, you have been given, forgiven a huge debt. Every one of our sins has been paid for by Jesus. Every one of those times we hurt someone, because we have hurt other people. Every one of those times we took from someone. Every one of those times we didn't care. We didn't love well. We gossiped about someone. We slandered. We didn't listen. We didn't help people. Every Every one of those times we chose selfishness, every one of those times we chose self-protection, every one of those sins, every one of them has been forgiven in Jesus and by Jesus. I mean, think of the size of that debt. It's huge. See, that, that was, that's the point Jesus was making in the story. He was telling in Matthew 18, we, <clears throat> we heard earlier about how the king forgave, gave this servant for this huge debt, a billion dollars, right? Well, then that servant, Jesus continues the story and he tells about how that servant, then he goes out from the king's presence, from the master's presence. He goes out and he finds a guy who owes him 10 bucks. 
and he demands payment. And the guy who owes him 10 bucks, he uses the exact same language that this man used before the king. Please just give me more time. You know, he pleads for mercy. He pleads for more time. And, you know, and, and this guy, instead of extending mercy and, and forgiveness and canceling the debt, he says no. And he throws the guy in prison. Well, the king hears about this. He's not a happy camper. He brings in the servant whose huge debt was canceled. And he says, how could you do this? How could you do this? I forgave this huge debt of yours. And then you go out and refuse to cancel someone else's debt for 10 bucks. You, you go out and you demand payment from a guy who owes you 10 bucks. And the king throws this man in prison. See, that, that's the power of this parable. See, when, when we are hurt, we tend to want to focus on the person who hurt us, right? When we do, that's what we want to focus on. And as long as we do that, guess what? We're going to struggle to forgive. Because that $10, I mean, that's a lot. It's, you know, or whatever, $100, whatever size it is, it doesn't even compare to what Jesus has forgiven us for. So as, as long as we're focusing on that, that person, we're going to struggle to forgive. And Jesus urges us here, change your focus, to change your focus, to focus instead on him and the debt that he has canceled on your behalf and my behalf. See, when, when we focus on Jesus' forgiveness of us and all of our bonehead decisions and all of our hurtful choices and all of that stuff, we, we suddenly, when we focus on that, we suddenly have the capacity to choose to forgive someone who hurt us. Our whole perspective on forgiveness changes when we look to Jesus instead of looking to the other person. Which is why Paul says here, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But, but hold it here, Paul, Paul, hold it, hold it. I mean, Paul, you haven't heard my story, right? right? I mean, you, you don't understand what this person did to me. You don't understand how they hurt me. You don't understand what they took from me. And Paul would say, you haven't taken a good look at your Savior. You haven't taken a good look at what he has forgiven you for. I heard a pastor say, and just in this context, listening to a message on forgiveness, this pastor said, at the cross, at the cross, we lost our excuse not to forgive. At the cross, see, we had a debt we could not pay, and our heavenly father said, debt canceled completely. His grace towards us, it is completely undeserved, isn't it? We didn't deserve that. It's completely undeserved. And it is unending, which is why God wants this same heart to characterize our lives, this forgiving heart. In fact, it's so interesting to look back at the, it's kind of funny actually, to look back at the question that actually prompted Jesus to tell this story in Matthew 18. The, the question was from Peter. Um, and and, and uh, Peter came up to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? And see, Peter thought he was being really generous. I mean, this is amazing. Seven times. That was a, that was a lot. He thought he was being incredibly generous in, in offering seven times. But listen to Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 
Now, his point is not that we are to keep a tally. Okay, I'm at 66. Okay, one more, 67. Okay, I'm at 78. I don't have to forgive this person anymore. That, that's not the point. Oh, I finally got there. Yes. You know, no, that's not his point. His point, and some translations say 70 times 7, because the point is not that number. His point is that there is no limit to our extending forgiveness. In other words, this becomes a way of life for forgiven people. This becomes a way of life. We are to be forgiving people because we have been forgiven. Okay, so let's get really practical and personal. Let, let, let me just ask, who do you need to forgive? Who are you angry at? Is there anyone you're holding a grudge against, secretly wishing them harm, or, or just still holding on to that offense against them? You're hanging on to that. Now, I heard someone recently point out a way of, uh, of monitoring this, because maybe we think, oh, no, there's no one like that. Well, here, here's a way to monitor this, just a suggestion here. Another way of asking, what imaginary conversations are you having with other people? You ever do that? I do it all the time. I'm driving down the road and I am composing this amazing email to this person. Or I'm envisioning this, just this, this line. I'm going to, you know, just finally, I'm just going to confront this person who hurt me. And, and you know, and, 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 and I've got the, the pr- and people are all around watching, you know, right? It's this amazing moment. And, and, and uh, I've got this, this one line that just makes them repent and realize what they've done. And they're so sorry. So I'm composing, do you have any people like that where you're composing responses in your head, composing emails to them, people who've hurt you and you're thinking about what you should have said or maybe what you would say if you saw them again or what you would do if you saw them again. Oh, I'm I'm just going to turn away. I'm going to go the other way. Or I'm going to say that. Do you have any people like that? If so, that person has a hook in you, Right? They've got, they've got, there's something there and you need to forgive them. You need to forgive them and I need to forgive them. Those in my life, we need to regularly be examining our hearts to see if there's anyone we need to forgive. And I got, you know, we think, oh yeah, once every year or so, maybe I, had a, I hear a message about this and I kind of think about it. No, no, I, here's the deal. Jesus actually put this in the Lord's prayer, right? When, when they said, hey, Lord, teach us how to pray. He put this in the Lord's prayer, which tells me this is something that ought to be a regular part of our self-examination, of our hearts, right? A regular part of our spiritual lives. When it, maybe whenever we pray, we ought to stop at some point, not to not to, but just you get the idea this regularly, we ought to be asking, Holy Spirit, is there anyone I need to forgive? Is there anyone I'm holding on to? And maybe it's the same person over, you know, but is there anyone where I'm feeling this in my heart? Bitterness is beginning to take root in my heart. So let's just say there is someone you need to forgive. What does this look like? Practically speaking, how do we do this? Um, In my own life, what I utilize is a three-step process of forgiveness. Now, please hear me. In describing this as three steps, I am not trying to make it sound easy or simple because it is not. (laughs) Forgiveness is excruciatingly painful. It is excruciatingly difficult. 
So please hear me. I'm not, oh, just three little steps. I'm not, I'm not communicating that. But I think there are three facets. There are three aspects of forgiveness that when we're working through this in our own heart, and again, I'm, I'm not, yeah, that's another issue really. Do you go to the person? This is just between you and God, right? Because forgiveness is what's going on in our heart. And so what I'm talking about, are, these are three things that we do in our own prayer time with the Lord. Three facets of forgiveness. I call, I call them the ABCs of forgiveness just to help me remember them. So, and again, I'll do this by myself with the Lord when I'm, when I'm in prayer and I realize, oops, there's someone I need to forgive. Here's what I will walk through. So A, first is A, acknowledge the hurt. If you want to take notes at this point, you might want to, because this is something you can share with your children. This is something you can teach other people. It's something that I, I use regularly, Okay. A, acknowledge the hurt. This is a really important step. In prayer, we need to acknowledge and feel the weight of what this person did to us. Or, or I mean, think about what they owe you, what they took from you, wh- how they made you feel. See, we're not minimizing it. We're not excusing it. We're acknowledging, yeah, this hurt. This hurt. See, this is a crucial part of forgiving from the heart. At the end of that story in Matthew 18, Jesus says we've got to forgive from the heart. This is a critical part of it. We've got to acknowledge what, it's, what, what happened, the weight of what this person did to us. Because see, sometimes, I think, sometimes, sometimes we think we're forgiving when what we're really doing is just sweeping it under the rug. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's all right. No big deal, right? We're minimizing it. We're, we're excusing it. Oh, they're, they're just having a tough day or whatever. We're excusing it. You know, we're doing all these things. We think we're forgiving, but we're not. We're not forgiving. Because true forgiveness, true forgiveness fully acknowledges the pain and the hurt. True forgiveness fully acknowledges the pain of what this person did what they took from us, what they owe us, how they made us feel, all of that. And, and this may take a little while just to kind of sit in this place of this hurt. This real, there may be some tears at this hurt. So real life example for me, there are many, you know, in my own heart, I, you know, I have to regularly do this, but recently someone accused me of something which wasn't true. It totally wasn't true. And I, I responded, I explained that to them. The irony was this person had done to me, the, 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 had done the very same thing they were accusing me of. And I had just kind of chose to let it slide. But then they're bringing this up, right? So I mentioned that to this person and they just chose not to respond at all. Not to acknowledge that they had done this. Just n- no response. And I felt, I felt angry. I felt hurt. I felt devalued. I was just mad. And I knew I needed to forgive them. So in my prayer time, I acknowledge this hurt to God. I said, Father, when Steve, that's not the person's real name, but when, when, the, when Steve accused me of this, it hurt. And it, it made me just so, just so mad that he was doing the very thing he was accusing me of. And he, you know, he kind of took this, kind of my reputation, these kinds of things. And then when he didn't respond to me, I felt ignored. I felt disrespected. So Lord, I'm just feeling this. I just acknowledge this. This hurt. It hurts. Right now, it hurts. I just acknowledge this to you. Our goal here in this first step is to open our heart to God. We're feeling it. And that's, it's, this is painful. This isn't simple and sweep it under the rug and oh, you go move. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. You know, this is, this, is, this is hard, but it's important. We're acknowledging how it impacted us, how it felt, how it hurt. Okay, step B, bring it to the cross. 
Bring it to the cross. Bring this offense to the cross. See, because Jesus has forgiven us through the cross, the cross becomes the place where we can forgive others. And folks, remember, we think, oh, I can't do this forgiveness thing because it's so painful. Hey, remember, Jesus suffered on the cross. This wasn't easy for him to forgive us. When we feel like we can't forgive, when it's too painful, we need to remember Jesus who suffered for us on the cross in order to forgive. He knows how painful forgiveness is. We're not going to be giving him any new information when we talk about how hard it is to forgive this person. He knows all about that. He knows all about that. So in this step, we bring the offense to the cross and we leave it there with Jesus. We leave it with him. And by doing this, here's what we're doing. We're, we're canceling the debt. We're saying, I'm not going to carry this any longer. I'm not going to hold on to this against this person any longer. You deal with it, Lord. You deal with it. I'm not going to hang on to this. So, so in this particular situation, again, walking through this prayer time for my relationship, I said, Father, even though this really hurt me, it did, and it hurts me still, I'm choosing right now. I am choosing to bring this offense to the cross where you, Jesus, have forgiven me. I am choosing to let go of my right to hold this against this person. I'm choosing to leave this here. I'm choosing to cancel the debt. I release this person from what they owe me. I choose to forgive. It's important that we say those words. Sometimes, okay, so Lord, help me forgive. That's a great prayer, but we're still not there. <laughs> you, it's I choose to forgive. I choose to cancel this debt. Then step C. So we've acknowledged the hurt. We bring it to the cross. Step C, confess your own sinful responses. This is, this is really important. A lot of times when we're sinned against we choose to respond in a sinful way. I'm not saying that it, it doesn't minimize anything this other person has done, but we choose, after we've been hurt, we choose to respond in a sinful way. So another one of those would be we make, a, we make vows. I'll never trust a person again. I'll never trust a woman again. I'll never, you know, that, that thing. We make these vows that get, these agreements that get deeply rooted in our heart. We need, we need to confess those. How that hurt has caused us, some of us, the hurt we had years ago, it's still impacting the way we treat people and the way we view certain people. It's all about that that happened years ago because we made an agreement that I'm never going to trust a person. I'm never going to let anyone get close. See, those things, they, they stay with us. So when we forgive, then we confess any of those responses of vows we've made. Jesus, I just renounced this vow I made. That's a, I, I renounce that. I confess my bitterness. I've hated this person. I just confess that. Or maybe we've done something in revenge. Lord, forgive me for spreading gossip about this person, whatever. So in this step, we're confessing to God these things and we're asking him to forgive us so that again, we're not bound. We're not bound by these vows we've made or these, these lies we believed or, or that forgiveness any longer. So, so in my case, it was, Father, forgive me for harboring hatred and, and bitterness and anger towards Steve and forgive me for letting this, this creep into my heart. Just cleanse me of my own sinful, self-protective responses that have just not been healthy and helpful. Forgive me. Now, sometimes something amazing can happen in this place of confession. God may begin to show us why this person did what they did. 
why they respond the way they do. How they were responding maybe out of their own pain. They were responding out of their own insecurity or their own hurt. This doesn't excuse it. We're not saying, oh yeah, it's not a big, no, no, no. It doesn't excuse it, but we may find our hearts more compassionate towards them. Maybe we even realize that had we been in their shoes, we might have done the exact same thing. It, 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 it brings compassion. We are all broken, right? We all struggle with hurt and self-centeredness and wounds from our past. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. So the cross of Christ is the key to our being able to experience forgiveness for our wrongs and to offer forgiveness to anyone who hurt us. The choice is ours. Will we keep drinking from the Flint River? the river of bitterness that poisons our soul and defiles our relationships, or will we choose to drink from the fresh water found in the gospel of Jesus? Let's pray together. <clears throat> so this is a really important prayer time that I believe God is going to do. He just wants to do some significant things. And we're going to get to this forgiveness place, but before we do that, I want to give an invitation because I just have felt on my heart, there may be some of us here today. And, and, and this forgiveness thing, again, what we're hearing is this whole forgiveness, forgiving others is rooted in, it has to be rooted in our experience of forgiveness. And some of you here have not experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. See, the Bible makes it clear that we, we don't automatically experience that. It's not automatically given to us just because we're a human being. I mean, the, the reality is we're sinful, God is holy, and we're separated from him. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He died in our place. He died for our sin. And so the, the way we enter into a relationship with God is not by trying hard to be a good person, going to church and being nice to people and trying to do better. It's by admitting your need, you're a sinner, and placing your trust in Jesus, receiving his gift of life and forgiveness. So there are some of you here, I believe, and you've never done this, or you're not certain if you've ever done it. Let's just take care of that. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now where you can place your you can place your trust in Jesus and receive his forgiveness and enter into a relationship with him permanently. So pray this in the silence of your heart. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy and I'm not. I'm a sinner. And I realize that my sin separates me from you, but I don't want to be separated from you. And I realize there is nothing I can do, no matter how hard I try, to earn my way to you. So you came to me. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. Jesus, you took the punishment I should have paid. It's amazing. I'm so grateful. And I choose right now to place my trust in you, my whole self in your hands, my faults and fears and failures and doubts and questions and all those things. I just bring it all to you because you're an amazing savior. I place myself in your hands and I now receive your life. I receive your forgiveness. Forgive me for all of my sins in the past, present, and the sins I haven't even committed yet, all of them covered by your blood. And now make me new. Change me from the inside out through the presence of your spirit. I receive you. So Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer, help them grow 
in their relationship with you. Help them grow in that. And I pray that for all of us, we would grow in our understanding of your grace and your forgiveness of us. So, so here's the question that we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, is there anyone we need to forgive? Is there anyone we're holding, we're nursing a grudge, we're holding on to an offense, we've not canceled the debt, we're harboring bitterness? Is there anyone we need to forgive? Now, as the Lord brings those people to mind, again, that we don't have time to go through the ABC thing because I just feel like for some of us, we need to sit in each one of those places for a little while. And I don't want to kind of speed that up artificially here. And so I just, I just want to pray for you. God's brought someone to mind that, that before maybe the day ends tonight, you would get alone and you would acknowledge the hurt. You'd feel it. You would bring that offense to the cross where Jesus died for you. You'd cancel it. And then third, you would confess your own sinful responses. And so Holy Spirit, would you help us in this journey? I pray that none of us here would not respond that way with someone you've brought to our mind and that forgiveness would be unleashed in people's hearts and in families and in workplaces, just in, in schools in significant ways because of these moments here of what we've heard and our response to these things. God, thank you that we can be a forgiving people because we are a forgiven people. We're so grateful for that.